Hey everybody, this is Rock Kazak Radio, episode 19. I am Sam Stutes. I'm here with my buddy Jason Baldwin. We have one heck of a guest in the building. Big show. Big Big, show. Yes. We got our brother Justin Blankenship with us. He is rocking it from Landmark Church. He's the head pastor over there, and he's joining us today. We are pumped to talk with him. Jason, what's up with you, man? Not much, man. It's been an exciting day. Uh, I just kind of, for the first time in the day, just realized what today is, and so... One thing I just thought that I wanted to say is anybody out there, our servicemen and women, uh, I know today is a in remembrance of a tragic event, uh, I guess, 17 years ago. Yeah. So I just wanted to say thanks to the men and women who fought for us after that event, before that event, and today. So uh, that was just what was on my mind. But, man, other than that, life is good. It's been a pretty busy day i got to spend some time with storm this morning awesome uh but other than that football started i'm pumped yes what's going on with you well kind of same old stuff um football my sooners are two and oh i'm not sure about your longhorns but that's okay we don't have to get into that yeah, um your cowboys not. are also zero and one um so we'll just get that out of the way quickly but no everything's good things at the ranch are busy we are full which is good we got 40 guys. 40 men, yes. We got one at 10 o'clock last night. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we did, and it rarely happens, but it worked out. He was um, sober to check in, and that's a rarity at 10 o'clock at night. So. <laughs> but, no, we're pumped to have our guest today. Justin, what's up? Hey, guys, what's going on? Pardon my voice. Of today, I think it's from all the preaching I did at the ranch yeah. last night. Those guys. He, he they, brought the fire they, last night. Yes. Amen and me and got me preaching. Yes. Anyway, it's an honor to be here, man. I appreciate all you guys do. And uh, I'm a regular listener of the podcast. Awesome. Wow. Thanks so much. Yes. You're the one and no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we have one. We have <laughs> one. one. Yes. <laughs> no, we got a couple. Mama still listens every week, so. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, exactly. If I if I want to keep her listening, I gotta quit posting political things on Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we probably shouldn't talk about that on. <laughs> yeah, for sure, we'll talk about that. Just do it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah exactly, exactly. But anyway, well, we are pumped to have you on, man. We're gonna uh, kind of dive into your testimony here in a minute, but as Jason kind of said. Um, today is a, is a heavy day for our country every year. Um, every time I wake up and on this date and look on Facebook and see the footage from, um, 17 years ago, it kind of puts a heaviness on our heart and rightfully so. Um, it's a sad day, but, uh, very thankful for the country that we live in. And, uh, like Jay said, the men and women who serve our country. So, um, thank y'all for that. And we're praying for you, um, for all y'all listeners who are veterans we thank you for your service and uh anyway so people always try to remember where you were at yeah when an event like that happened yeah and i was in bible college i was supposed to preach that morning in chapel and uh back then we had suits on and everything and so i had my suit on ready to speak and um got a call as i was preparing that um you know everything that had happened so we ended up turning that into a time of prayer that morning praying for the nation um you know and then soon after obviously uh everything that started with the war and everything else but yeah these days always make you remember um and the lives that were lost the people that just the tragic events and so i think it's one of those days when you go to say it no matter you know 
what's going on that day just brings back so much to your memory. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think every generation, and, and Sam's a little bit younger than both you and I, but uh, I think every generation has that one event, and it seems like it's always a tragic event that yeah. uh, we can look back and say, I know exactly where I was, mm-hmm. what was going on when mm-hmm. such and such happened. And uh, that definitely is our generation's yeah. uh, old day of infamy, I guess, is yeah. would be the best way to put it. But makes yeah. me feel like an old man because I did a, a graduation last year for high school graduation, spoke at it, and I was reading about that class, and it said they were the first ones that wouldn't remember 9-11, that it would be something out of the history books Yeah. Um, just wow. because of their age. I thought, man, I'm getting old. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember a lot. Um, well, How old were you? I was nine, nine when it happened, but I remember, I mean, I remember that day for sure, yeah. but I was going to say before that, the only thing I could really remember in my life was the Broncos winning the Super Bowl, <laughs> <laughs> but I remember 9-11 and I was in school and, you know, slowly parents came and pulled other kids out. My parents were really busy that day with something because I stayed the whole day and I just, first of all, that was kind of trippy, but uh, when I got home, I remember just watching it over and over and over again and for that night, I couldn't sleep and imprinted in your mind you know yeah i'll never forget like it was whatever nine whatever when it happened and i had just i was not in a good period of my life but uh, i was living at my grandparents and i got out of bed and i walked in the living room my grandma's got the news on and and i'm seeing this and i'm thinking like they're showing some kind of trailer to a movie or something and like like i'm still half asleep probably hungover uh don't really realize it and i sit down and that's when the second plane hit Mm. and uh and then i mean i'm sure it was like this everywhere but my grandma my family was freaking out she asked me to take her car to the gas station and i mean less than 30 minutes after it happened and my grandparents lived in a small town in missouri and there was a, at least a mile-long line of cars waiting to get gas. And, wow. Uh, just the, in a small rural town in yeah. Missouri, that something that like that happened in New York and, and Pennsylvania that, uh, that caused some mass hysteria yeah. going yeah. on in the country. And uh, thank God that we haven't had anything to that level since. And, again, that's all due to our servicemen and women. So yeah. thanks again. Yeah, for sure. So let's dive into this real quick. Justin, why don't you just tell us where you're from and what it was like growing up down there in the South. I am <laughs> down from, there. Yeah. Down there in the South. Come on. I am from the large metropolis of Crystal Springs, Mississippi. Sam, you think you've been there a time or two? Just once. Just once, just really. Just one time, okay. yeah. Uh, actually, Sam's wife, Elizabeth, I actually babysat her, her twin sister. <laughs> When they were about uh, two or three years old, I have no idea what her parents were thinking. But um, does that I, make you feel old? It does. It does. Makes you uh, feel very old. Um, yeah, grew up there. Elizabeth's grandfather actually just retired as the children's pastor at my dad's church there after being children's pastor for like forty-two years. Yeah. Been there a long time. It's but, amazing. Um, it's a lot of connections there, but. Yeah, I grew up in Crystal Springs. My dad's a pastor, and uh, actually, my family's all from Oklahoma and Colorado. We just my dad moved down there in 1974 to start pastoring. So I didn't grow up with any family there, but uh, grew up there till I was 18. Came out to Oklahoma to Bible college and stayed out here. Been here 19 years now. So. Awesome. Where'd you go to college? 
uh, Southwestern Christian University in Bethany. Boom. Yeah, my parents had gone there in 1969, so a long time later, um, I decided to go there. So, yeah. yeah, I spent a lot of a uh, lot of evenings after work driving to Bethany and back <laughs> for a while. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, re- I remember those times. Yeah. There was a few times where like it was like a Wednesday and I had to go pick her up for church. I was like, oh, I just don't want to drive to Bethany. You know, traffic. But. I understand. So tell us a little bit about um, getting out of college and kind of your journey and, and ending up at Landmark Church here in Purcell. Um, I, uh, after college, I had a, a choice to make whether I wanted to, what I wanted to do in my life. I knew I wanted to pastor, but at the time I had an offer to move to Colorado um, at a church, and then I had an offer back in Mississippi. But I really felt like God had, had told me to stay here in Oklahoma. Uh, the crazy part was I had no job. Um, I just <laughs> felt like it was a step of faith. I worked all summer, the summer before I moved out here to save money, and uh, just moved out here by faith. And uh, it's one of those things I remember a lot of nights eating literally egg sandwiches. That's all I could afford, but <laughs> I knew I was where God wanted me to be. And I ended up working for a church ministry. Um, for three and a half years, traveled around the country, worked for the church planting department, and we would put on conferences. So I was basically just the administrative assistant, but did that for three and a half years. And then Purcell, they called me from the church, and it was a church at that time, about 40 people and in a, in a small location. And they just asked me, they, they needed a pastor, and so asked me to pray about it. And uh, I remember um, it had been five years since I graduated college, and so I didn't just kind of try to get back into that whole pastoral thing again and felt like it was what God wanted. So I tried out uh, a couple Sundays, and the church voted me in. I've been here about ten and a half years now. So. It's awesome. So I always like to ask pastors. I grew up, like I said before, my granddad was a mm-hmm. pastor. But when do you feel like God like put on your heart that, that how old were you roughly about when you felt like God called you and that's what? I always, my whole life, I always felt like I wanted to be a pastor. Um, I remember there's pictures of me at two years old wearing one of my dad's t-shirts, holding the Bible, pointing my finger, and uh, I didn't even, I don't even know what I was saying. I don't think I could even talk very much. I was just acting like I was preaching. But when I was about 11 years old, I remember my dad saying, son, we can't call you to preach, and you can't just want to do this. God needs to call you to this. And uh, so I began to pray. I would, I would wake up early before school and pray every morning. And uh, so I really began to pray about it. I remember the third day um, I walked in the bathroom. My dad was in there blow drying his hair. And I said, Dad, I feel like God just called me to preach. And so about 11 years old, I felt called to preach. When I was 13, I preached my first uh, sermon for Children's Church uh, there at the church. That was my first sermon. And so um, I've been actually preaching about 24 years now. But um, wow. I mean, on and off, obviously, I didn't do it every single week. But anyway, but I always wanted to be a pastor. But when I was 11, I heard God you know, call me and say, this is what... I've called you to do. So. Awesome. See, that's cool because I've always wondered, like, my granddad talks about, like, he didn't get called to preach until he was in his mid-20s mm-hmm. or something. And so it's always cool hearing about pastors talking yeah. about when they were actually called, uh, when they felt that God called them for that. So. Yes. Well, um, we've been blessed to have you as a part of the family at Rob's Ranch now for I guess, what, five years, something like that. And uh, I'm blessed to call you a friend, and you're my pastor, and you've been a huge part of um, my spiritual side of my recovery, um, and thank you for that. Um, and I've seen you go through some things in your in your life and since I've known you. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about what's gone in with you for the last five years and kind of okay. where you're at today. 
Yeah, I uh, actually before the it was Rob's ranch. It was a women's facility, and and I went out there a couple times and visited, and then um, didn't hear anything from a long time, and heard it switched over to being a to being Rob's ranch, and um, came out there one time, and just always felt like there was something there, but I just really didn't know how to get connected. And uh, I attend the Rotary Club in Purcell, and I was there one day. One of the guys had a couple guys from the ranch come out and speak about it. So I just mentioned afterwards, um, you know, if there's ever if you ever need anything, let me know. So about a month later, probably got a call from somebody out there saying, "Hey, um, would you like to come out and, on a Monday night and just try it out?" And I'll be honest with you, at first I was terrified. I've, um, <laughs> I've never I've never done a drug a day in my life, um, and so I and I just always wondered could I fit in? Would I make a difference? Would the guys take me serious? And uh, so it was one of those things where at first I was super nervous just because I had no idea what was going on. Um, and and but then I, I found that through it, it has really been uh, one of the greatest things for me in my re- own recovery. And my recovery wasn't a recovery necessarily from drugs and alcohol, but my right. recovery was a recovery of grief. And uh, just my story is I waited till I was 33 years old to get married. Um, I just never felt like I found the right one. I became a single pastor and, um, you know, got caught up in the church and working and just didn't really think much about it. But um, I really prayed and said, God, if you want me to be married, then you got to send the person to me because I don't know where to go find a preacher's wife. There wasn't like preachersonly.com, um, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, and so I thought about starting it, but uh, I only know a couple <laughs> single preachers, so I think it would make very much, make very much money. Uh, but uh, anyway, I, I really prayed and said, okay, Lord, you got to send somebody. And so a girl came to the church, and uh, her name was Bree, and we just began to talk, built a friendship, and uh, Bree had been had previously been married, so she had and she had a son by the name of Deacon, and so um, just really prayed about it and felt like it was what God wanted for my life for us to be married. And so, in 2014, November 2014, we got married at the church there, and uh, um, just you know started a family. Everything was good. I was about seven and a half years older than Bree, and because of our age difference. We decided to go ahead and try to have kids right off the bat, and uh, and so after being married for seven weeks, we found out we were five weeks pregnant. I always have to make sure those numbers are correct because <laughs> I had old ladies in the church counting their fingers. Right when I said when I stood up in the church and announced that, we were seven weeks married, five weeks pregnant. It's all legal, I promise. <laughs> And, uh, and so we went to 2014 or 2015. Uh, it was the last Sunday, 2014. I remember standing before the church. My parents were in attendance. They were there visiting for Christmas time. And I remember standing up and I said, 2015, we're going to add to our family. It's going to be the greatest year of our life. And so went into that year in January of that year, just excited about life. Um, but we went to hear the heartbeat of the baby and uh, do an ultrasound. And uh, Bree was laying there on the table, and the nurse said, I'm sorry, but there's no heartbeat. You know, your baby, you, you've had a miscarriage, and the baby's passed away. And so I remember her crying right there and me trying to be this, you know, man of faith and power. I just stood there trying to hold it together. We got in the car, both broke down, and just began to weep together and had mm-hmm. to call the parents and tell them. I had to come home and tell Deacon, and he was only uh, about four years old or five at the time. He was about five years old at the time. And uh, didn't know if he would understand. But I remember him just really, uh, we told him he was sitting in the bed and he just fell over just crying. It was a, a very difficult time for us losing a child. It was, it was quickly, but still, just the thought of losing that child was tough. Um, and then right after that, the next week, 
uh, Bree had to go in for a procedure at DNC because she had a miscarriage. She had to go in for this procedure. So on Wednesday morning, we woke up really early in the morning. Um, we had to go to Oklahoma City to, to the hospital where the procedure was going to be. And went there on Wednesday morning and um, went through the procedure. Her mom had met us there, and me and her mom had gone and had breakfast in the cafeteria. Walked back up, and the doctor came out and said, everything's good, said, uh, I'll see you in three weeks, and looked at me and said, matter of fact, you might not even have to come with her. She did so good, it'll probably, I mean, she'd probably come by herself and, and said, you can go see her in the recovery room. And so we walked back into the recovery room, her mom and I, and immediately we knew something was wrong. Uh, Bree's body was, was seizing up, it was literally lifting up off the table. <clears throat> and uh, we pointed it out to the nurses and doctors. They were doing other things because she was laying there in recovery like you do. The doctors don't just check on you constantly. So when they saw it, they told us to leave the room. And I remember telling them, I pushed my way back in and said, I'm going to pray for my wife and prayed with her. And then they rushed us out. And um, pretty soon a neurologist came out and said they thought she was having seizures. And because she was having seizures, they had given her all the seizure medication and she wasn't responding. So they were going to give her a thing called propofol and, uh, that, and put her in a medical induced coma. And then um, from there, they were going to... Um, try to wake her up the next day and see what happens. And so anyway, put her in that and several things happened over the next few days. People were praying all over the world, but um, right after, I mean, four days after on that Saturday, she passed away. Mm -hmm. So we had lost a child on a Friday and the next Saturday she passed away. In the midst of all that, my mom in Mississippi was battling ovarian cancer. And so um, my mom was a great woman of faith. I mean, just had amazing faith and really just, you know, believing God for the best and that kind of thing. But she'd had surgery two years before to remove a tumor. And uh, it's one of those things that the cancer had returned. And so eight weeks later, my mom passed away. So in nine weeks time, I lost a child, a wife, and a mom. Um, so it was a very rough, difficult time. But the ranch actually was one of my saving points um, because I, I used Monday nights out there as my own private therapy session many times. And right. uh, I've always felt like I could say things out there that I might not could say other places. Um, church people may look at you funny if you say certain things, but I always felt like I could do that. And uh, so I never forget, it was either in between my mom, my wife, my mom passing away or after my mom, that, that's all a blur in my memory. But I was out there on a Monday night and Jeremy Gray um, was going through the program at the time. And Jeremy asked me, can we pray for you? And all these guys that I was out there to minister to, they gathered around me and prayed for me. And I remember sitting there weeping as they're praying for me and how that just began part of the healing process in my own life. Yeah. Whew. It got me all teary-eyed. Yeah. That's the one thing I tell everybody about. Uh, I can't imagine one of those things happening and, and keeping the strong courage and the faith to continue Uh and that's one of the things, that's why I'm so grateful that you are the guy that you get to come out on Monday nights. And I think Monday night is a fitting night for him to come out because after a weekend, the guys are a little squirrely. Yeah. And I know that you don't talk about that particular spot of your life every week, but I know as staff members, we tell clients, mm -hmm. man, listen to this guy. He's got an amazing story of uh, he's strong and his faith and everything and so it's kind of cool that on Monday nights getting the week started back again we get somebody who I consider as strong in his faith as anybody I know to kind of jump start the guy's weeks and I thank you for that and your your story is inspiring man I appreciate you so much well thank you guys it is an honor I mean to be able to be out there and um I still to this day I mean talk about things and um 
you know, just talk about, you know, what all God's doing in my life. And once again, I mean, I, I tell people everywhere I go. I mean, uh, one thing about the ranch, I've got some good sermon illustrations out of it because literally I don't think I've preached a message in the last five years different places that I haven't, if I, especially if I do a series of messages that I've not mentioned in the ranch because it just really has become a major part of my life and, and my own ministry and understanding. Um, it just is honestly, before I went to the ranch, I, I'd never been around. I mean, I had friends that dealt with, Addiction, but I didn't, you know, and I, I hate to say this, I'm just being completely honest. Um, I put everybody in a certain category and just thought they weren't very good people and that kind of stuff. And the ranch has just totally changed my ministries, changed our church. Um, you know, the guys visit our church, quite a few of them visit our church. And the only time, somebody asked me one time, do people get mad that you've got all these people from in recovery at your church? And I said, they were mad at me one time. I said, really? I said, yeah. I said, the guys were sitting in one place and they moved seats. And the person got mad at me because they thought that I'd ask them to leave. And I said, no. I said, they're still attending. They said, well, you better not tell them to leave. I said, no, I promise. They're still coming. The only time somebody got mad at me is when they thought they weren't going to be there. And so um, it has been just amazing, even for our church. I mean, just in myself personally, uh, just to walk the people through this. Um, it's just been been great for me and transformed, it's transformed my own life. That's awesome. Well, I mean, Justin, I, uh, as I've told you this before, as – um, you know, I know your testimony. I, I saw you go through all that. And, um, and one thing I love about you, one of the main things I love about you is that you're real and that you're authentic and that you wear your emotions on your sleeve. Um, and I, I saw you go through that and, um, and you, you would be the first one to tell you that it wasn't you that got you through that. It was God. Um, and, and also, I mean, I think as for me as an addict, I always put pastors and, um, you know, as a, as a person of authority and, uh, you know, they're perfect and this or that. And, um, I got to see you walk through that storm and I know it wasn't easy, but you came out through it. Um, and you know, and you're a, uh, a, a stronger man probably today than you were back then. Um, and I just, you know, I, I really admire the way you went through it and I don't know, I couldn't have made it through it. There's no way. Um, no way possible. So well, the funny thing about my life, this is what I love. Anybody knows me knows I'm a scaredy cat. I mean, if, I, if a mouse was to run in here or a snake, I'd be, you know, I'd create another door somewhere. And so, and so I, I'm probably, when it comes to that kind of stuff, one of the weakest people. So I, we had a guy at our church walking to me one day, he's a old rough, tough cowboy, and he said, you're the strongest man I know. I just started laughing. I said, me? But to me, it, it's, it's, it's what the Bible is about, that God uses people like Peter, who nobody thinks is going to be the one, you know, is going to preach because he always gets it wrong half the time right yeah and god uses him to preach and three thousand people are saved on the day of pentecost so what i love is that that god it really god's grace god it was like a season i know we have god's grace for salvation but it was this grace that came over me to be able to go through it and the, the scripture that got me through was Job, and I never liked Job before this. You know, Job was always right. this depressing book, and it's like Job it's and, the, you know, it's, it's, the the book in, it's, in the, it's the book in the Bible for the opiate addicts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Well, it's, it's the part you skip that and the genealogies. You know, yeah, you for sure. When you're reading, you, know, <laughs> you just act like when you're doing the yearly reading, whatever, you just act like you read that part, but... Job, um, he says to Job, or Job says to God, I look one way and I don't see you. I look another way and I don't see you. And I, I look all around and I don't see you anywhere. And there was days I felt that way. I felt like, God, I'm never going to live again. I mean, there was days, you know, I would try to act like I had a lot of faith. But the truth is I didn't want to get out of bed. And, um, you know, I mean, 
I mean, honestly, I never did anything like attempted suicide, but there was days I didn't want to live. I mean, those thoughts rushed through my brain that, you know, I'd be better off not alive. I mean, all that stuff, you know, all those thoughts came up. But Job goes on to say, but you know the way that I take. And when you have tried me, I will come out as pure gold. Mm. And so that, that scripture got me through because I knew that God knew where I was at, even when I couldn't feel him some days. Um, and I want to say, too, uh, one of the things, part of my testimony now that I'm getting to say three and a half years later that I've never been able to say, um, I was reading Job one time, and at the end of it, God restores Job. Mm. And I always prayed and said, okay, God, you know, I feel like you're going to restore me one day. And uh, I can now say that um, I, I finally, at the beginning of this year, began to pray and say, okay, Lord, I'm ready to date again. It's time. And uh God sent a young lady into my life. We met through some mutual friends. She grew up in Oklahoma City, but um, it has been tremendous. And, I, I, and her name's Sarah. We're engaged. We're actually getting married in a few weeks, October 20th. It's awesome. Um, I'm real romantic. It was either October <laughs> or January, and I figured if I get married in October, my taxes will be cheaper next year. <laughs> So that's not real. Yes. That's real romantic. Yes. yes. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, the, thing, the amazing thing is I would have never guessed that it would be this smooth, the transition, and her, you know, being in my life and just everything working out with I'm still helping raise Deacon, my son. And so, um, you know, just being being a part of that, and, and it's been so smooth, and only God could have done that because I would have never— I would have never, I would have thought, you know, my age, I'm going to find somebody that, you know, we're going to have to go through all kinds of things to get, and, and man, it's been so smooth. So when God, and, and, I, and I, one day I asked God, God, why is it so smooth? It doesn't make any sense. Right. I mean, it's kind of like you're waiting for something bad to happen. You know, I hate to be that way, but just like, you know, when is the, when, when is it, the shoe going to drop or whatever, what's going to happen? But I really felt like the Lord spoke to me, and I, not in an audible voice or anything, but I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, this is your reward everything you've been through and, mm. and, I, and God's brought somebody in my life that um, that loves ministry so anyway God I will say that even when you're going through a difficult time if we'll be patient God has a way of restoring things in our life amen That's a, that whole about you talking about how you had the flooding thoughts of just not wanting yeah. to continue yeah. and everything and in AA and in recovery we got that saying fake it till you make it mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and that's I mean, there are days, I mean, even six years into this deal where I, I'm like, man, is this really all worth it? Yeah. And and, it, and I don't do a very good job of it most of the time, but sometimes you just have to put that face on mm-hmm. and, and in the back of your mind, you know that God's got something on the other side of it for you. And yeah. That's amazing to hear the, the depths of the despair and things mm-hmm. that you went through to find out, like, yeah, God rewarded you for going through that. I will say, that as far as the ranch goes, it was it was kind of crazy because, as I said earlier, I didn't. I mean, I always wonder what like what can I share with these guys. But when I went through this, it was like even though the guys now that come out don't necessarily know my story or whatever, but it it gave me some credibility in the sense to be able sure. to say I walked through something, even though it's it's a different kind, but it's still a, a, a recovery in a sense. Uh, like I said, my recovery of grief, but still having walked through something. So it's given me empathy with these guys to be able to say, you know, if I can get through this, yours may be look a little different, but if I can get through this, you can get through what you're going through. So it's been it's been something where it's actually brought me closer to the guys and understanding, you know, the, the like you're talking about the depths of what people go through. So it's been a it's been a, a good thing um, for that. Well, one of the one of the things that you taught me um, just by kind of observing you and hearing you preach on Sundays going through all that is you know back in the day when I was in my addiction I always 
um, I blame God for things, you know. Um, my grandfather passed away when I was 15, and um, I blamed him for that, you know. Uh, why did you take him away? And one thing you helped me realize in my life is, um, one, we don't know why things happen the way they happen, um, but you always talked about how no matter what happens, God can work good out of it. Um, and that's just, you know, it, that resonated in my mind. And when it finally struck in my heart, I could really, um, you know, I could understand why it was not God's, um, you know, it wasn't God's fault that things happened, bad things happen. Um, but through that stuff, there is healing and there is restoration. And that is only through God. Um, and it's impossible to get through stuff like that without God working through those things. So yeah. anyway. Because yeah. um, one of our, well, the, the Jedi Master Bruce, mm-hmm. he always oh, talks, yeah. <laughs> as drug addicts or alcoholics when we're stopping drinking and using, he talks about there's this grieving process of going through mm-hmm. that. And I know that that's not on the same level as what you grieve, but maybe some good advice for people that are either going through the loss of someone or the loss of a job or something. I truly believe that we all go through grieving processes in many different areas. Uh, What would be some of your advice for somebody going through uh, maybe something similar to you or just any kind of grief? You know, to me, first off, it's just being honest with yourself about where you're at. I think so many times um, either people just you know, when they're going through grief, they try to push it down, and it comes out years later. Um, you know, or they're just, or the, you know, they don't, they don't try to deal with it in, in, a, in the right kind of way, or mm-hmm. they don't. Um, you know, you lose, say they lose a child, and they don't want to move on. They don't, you know, they they leave everything in that room. The, you know, the child's are in the rest of their life, or whatever it is. I think you have to move on in a sense, not not forget about it, but um, but you got to deal with it. And I think that's one of the biggest things for me was I'm going to deal with this, and um, I'm going to be honest about it and talk yeah. about it. And if I'm not feeling good that day, I mean, it doesn't mean that I just went around every day upset or mad at every the world, but. You know, I was going to be honest in my preaching. I wasn't going to try to be fake. Um, and I, you talked about that, you know, authenticity earlier. But I think part of it is in our in a grieving process is being honest and being honest with God. I think you know, I was always taught growing up, you know, don't question God or you don't ever ask questions. But if you don't do that, I mean, if you're going to not believe that, then you can't read the Psalms because David Amen. over and over and over. Amen. I mean, David right. says, God, why is the righteous suffering? Why is this guy over here, the wicked guy, he's got everything going good for him, got a good job, and here I am doing right, and I'm suffering. So I think part of it is just being honest and, and, and being honest with God, knowing that God can handle it, but it's also working through it, where a lot of people I feel like mess up, they get upset at God or they get upset at the situation, and they stop there, and then they live the rest of their lives bitter and upset and angry. And I think it's just being honest and then being willing to work through the steps of just saying, okay, because grief, you know, is, is, I mean, I'm sure you've heard this and I'm sure Bruce has talked about this as well, but you got stages of grief. And there's times that you've got, that you're upset and you're mad. And then sometimes um, bargaining is part of that where you say, okay, God, if you'll give me this back and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think it's just working through those steps. And it took me a year and a half to really what I call come out of the fog. I mean, it was like for a year and a half, my brain was in a fog. And I mean, I got up and preached on Sundays. I spoke at the ranch. I did all these things, but um, you know, like you said earlier, fake it till you make it. I just, I was in that fog. But one day the clouds rolled back and I could think again. And I think part of it is also just hanging on long enough. I tell the guys all the time out there on Monday nights, 
just give God a chance. Like so many times we just try to do it ourselves, or we say, okay, God, won't you do it? But then if he doesn't do it in 30 minutes, we get mad. And I think just giving God a chance to work some things out and, uh, and being honest about your grief, once again, going through that, I think that's part of it. Mm. Awesome. Um, that's, that's cool. Uh, I, was, I got to think and say while, while he was talking about that, the one area that we haven't had on the show and that we need to work on, we need to get a mom or a dad of a drug addict. Mm, Definitely, yeah. for sure. Yeah. That'd be real good. I'm sure we could find somebody. Yeah. Somebody. Yeah. I mean, we have tons of listeners, so. <laughs> I, I got one candidate. Oh, Mom Stute or Mom Sales? <laughs> I, dude, I did that the other day, and I had to check myself. I was like, that is not her last name. <laughs> well, she just got married like two years ago, so I'm still. Anyway. Well, we need to get Mama Sales. We do. That'd be epic. I'm sure she would. Awesome. But, um, Justin, we're very thankful for not only you being a friend to us, but being on the podcast. But I'm thankful for Landmark Church. I'm happy to call it my church and happy to call you my pastor. Um, I, I hear the guys talk about all the time that, not only do they love you at the church, but they just love the people of Landmark Church and that they can feel the love just walking in the doors. And that's why I believe that, um, you know, so many guys get um, their beginnings of their relationship back with God at Landmark Church. Um, and so, anyway, very thankful for it's you. It's our honor. Man, it's funny. But, um, ever since all this stuff's happened with me, I get Facebook requests all the time for people in the recovery and they're in recovery in Oklahoma City. I think they think I'm a recovery. So <laughs> I, I am my own recovery. So anyway, yeah. all, to all the listeners out there, I am in recovery. Yes. It's funny. I get like, how do I know these people? And I can tell they'll share things with me. It's like, you know, they think I'm just one of them. So anyway, I love it. Like, they treat me like one of the guys, and I love that. Yeah, so for sure. Awesome. One other thing, I'm making a, a, a declaration. we got to get Justin a, a Rob Trench ring. Oh, man, yeah, I love that. we That'd do. Be awesome, That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. I'll just go steal one yeah. and just give <laughs> it to him. doesn't give us one. We're, we're there you go. Yeah, there you for go. sure. He's not too tough, so <laughs> I ain't not worried about that. We can take him. Yeah, oh, yeah. Thank you. I can, you are Rob's Ranch family. Uh, I can't express how much. It's awesome to see uh, guys that, I mean, obviously, while they're in treatment, they come to church there. A lot yeah. of them do. Yeah. But I, there's so many that even after they get out of treatment, uh, come back yeah, to the oh landmark yeah. and, and I've heard nothing but great things from the clients and alumni talk about you and how much you mean to them. So. Well, thank you. I'm proud of you guys. You too, man. You're great examples um, to all those guys. Everybody that works out there is obviously, but anyway, just getting to know you two guys as well. And um, I think, you know, I'm just so proud of what Rob's Ranch does. I mean, it's such an amazing place. And thank you guys for being willing to, to do this kind of thing, a podcast, to be able to share with all the thousands listening to this. Yeah. Million, Yeah. No, it's a blast, man. We love doing this stuff. And, um, you know, it's one of those. Hey, it's, it's another one of them processes. You can't get a million followers until you have right. 100. And we're like, we're like Joel Embiid. You got to trust the process. You know what I'm saying? Trust the process. We got to get some shirts printed up, you know? <laughs> no, nah, but man, Rob's Ranch is, it, there's so many crazy different cool things that come from Rob's Ranch and doing this has been one of those things and I enjoy doing it. And um, Next up, we need to get the whole worship band in here. But you I've know? come too far to go back now. I am looking for freedom. Looking for
So I guess this is a good time to break into our segment of five minutes of freedom. What is it? Five minutes of freedom. You've lost a little bit. We haven't done it in a couple weeks. And you've, you've, like, you're usually at an eight or a nine. Ready? Today you were at like a four. Five minutes of freedom. Right on. That's better. So. Since we have um, Brother Blankenship with us today, I thought we would do it on Listening to God Part 2. Part so duh. I know a lot of us, especially early on in recovery, I struggled with a lot. I, I struggled with hearing God or even feeling God. And I'd be praying and I'd feel stuck and I wouldn't know how to get out of it. And I just wouldn't feel any direction tugging on my heart. Um, so what would you recommend to someone who is struggling with hearing God? I think one of the big things is uh, I believe God speaks to us through His Word. I think that, you know, anytime I've had people say, God told me this, and I thought, well, that, didn't, that doesn't make sense with Scripture, so that's not God. <laughs> so um, I think, you know, my thing is there's days I get up and I read my devotion and I don't feel a thing. You yeah. know, I read it and it's almost like, like reading just any other book. Yeah. And there's days I pray and it's like your prayers hit the ceiling and bounce down. But I think if you can remain faithful, then eventually you're going to read something that's going to make sense. So I think hearing God is just about, part of it in our society is just list, like stopping to listen, turning off our phones or whatever it is, just you know, slowing down to listen. But a lot of it is just being faithful to read His Word, even if it's just a chapter a day or whatever, and then allow God to speak to you through that. Mm. Um, and so I think that's one of the biggest things is just being, you know, putting your place yourself in a place to listen. Yeah. That's, man, that's heavy when you mentioned your phones and technology because I'll be sitting down to read my Bible at night and I'll have the TV muted and then my phone will start vibrating and it just loses all distraction. That's important. But I think what you said about being faithful, making it a routine because eventually um, you're going to bust through that wall of um, whatever you want to call it, silence or um uh, just not being able to hear, not being able to feel. Because um, eventually, I, and I think too, once you do break through, I think I said this before, once you do break through, um, there's a big level of growth, yeah. for me at least, when I finally busted through that that feeling of not being heard or not being listened to, um, and where you know you, you could really feel God through your prayers. Um, what do you think, Jay? I was thinking uh, open-mindedness is really big. I've noticed for me, like if I'm praying about something or I'm just praying in general or I'm looking for listening for God to tell me something, a lot of times I have what I want God to tell me already up in my mind. (laughs) And so I may have Sam telling me something that's speaking to whatever I'm needing and I've had him shut off because I already have in my mind of what I want God to tell me. And so if I don't, if I'm not open-minded and, and, uh, kind of separate my will out of the situation. Uh, I think that's the biggest block for me in hearing God is uh, self. Mm. If I'm stuck in self, then I can't hear God. Yeah, yeah. I think we, like you're saying, we um, we think we know what it's going to look like, yeah. how it's going to happen, and um, like and you're, like you're saying too. I think God uses those people around us to be able to speak into our lives, and if we're not careful, we, you know, we don't we think God's going to do it a different way. So I think you're right, just being open to however God wants to speak to us. It's mm. good. Amen. Um, one last thing I wanted to ask you, and then we're going to bust into some sports. But Sports if, games. If there's someone listening who is struggling with alcohol and drugs, what would be something that you would just want them to hear, want them to know? Um, I think the, the biggest thing is just realizing that um, – this might sound cliche, but ultimately that, that path 
is not going to lead to something healthy in your life. You know, um, I told the guys last night, it sounds kind of weird, but the Bible says in Hebrews that Moses chose to go with the children of Israel over enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season. And I remember my dad preaching growing up saying that sin is fun for a season, but then it's like a, a hook when it gets you, you're hooked. And I think part of it is if you're struggling today, just to realize that you can't do it yourself. I think that's the key. Um, even to my own self, with my grief, I mean, I could not have gone through that myself. Yeah. I had to get to the place where I realized I couldn't do it. Um, and I think it's just realizing that, you know, you may be out, in, whatever, in this addiction, you know, and, and it was fun for a while. But now you feel, and a lot of us, you feel the shame, the, the regret, you right. feel all that stuff from what you've done. And really, it's just allowing God to change you and transform you and realize He loves you where you're at. He's not mad at you. He's not angry at you. He loves you right where you're at. And then it's just giving that to Him, but realizing you can't do it yourself. That's why I love Rob's Ranch, because I tell the guys all the time, when you leave here, not only have you been told about Christ and allow Him to change you, but you've been given the tools that you need to be sober. You know, they, they give you the structure that you need. And if you'll just follow the process, if you'll follow the plan and listen, um, you'll have the tools you need when you get out here. So anyway, reach out. Don't try to do it yourself. You can't do it. Reach out. Find somebody. Um, you know, I know these guys here will always be open, but um, find somebody in your life that can help you, and don't don't try to do it by yourself. For sure. Yeah. Spot I, on. Yeah. I got to share my story at an AA meeting last night, and um, I was talking about how the the biggest part of the whole program of AA or the 12 Steps uh, is for the better part of 20 years or more, I lived my life on I. Uh, and then the first word in the 12 steps is we. Uh, and whenever I realized that, uh, that I had done nothing but dig a hole and dig a hole and separate myself from God, and the only time that I really felt a connection with God is whenever I finally realized that I was a part of a community and it was we. Mm. So That's that good. That's good. Very good. So I, I thought maybe, Justin, you told a joke to start your message a couple of weeks ago. I think you know which one I'm talking about. You want to open our sports segment with that joke? I would love to. I was All right, I'm leaving. So I, I'm trying to decide which uh, how I'm going to end this joke because it could go one or two ways. Well, yeah, okay. So should I tell it the way I told it or should I insert a different? Insert your other one. Okay, um, so there was this boy that unfortunately was being abused, beaten by his parents. <laughs> And so they gave him to his aunt to raise, and he went to the judge one day crying and said, my aunt beats me more than my parents do. And so the judge said, what do you mean to do? And he said, would you please turn me over to the Texas Longhorns because they can't beat anybody. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, that day. Cowboys. So either one was fitting. Right. So anyway. Yeah. I mean, so, bro. All those good things I said about <laughs> Justin, I'm deleting them. I said that in church. I said that in church. Uh, I mean, Jay, no. just to answer me this. If if Tulsa would have made those three field goals, you would have lost. I mean, what would you have thought if you lost to the Tulsa Golden Hurricanes? What did I text you about halftime of the first game of the year? You said we're garbage. I'm sticking by okay. it. Okay. All right. I do like your coach, though. I'll give that I to you. I love my coach, but I, yeah. I'm, I'm He's firmly depressed, though. He is. He is I'm not the best. firmly entrenched in the fact that he is scared to throw some – discord 
to the boosters and all that. That's yeah. what it's got to be because some of the decisions he's making make no sense. I think the only way that Texas turns around is if there's someone who gets up there and says, you know what, I don't care. It's going to be a process. You're going to have to see me experiment with some things. Well, that's um, the one thing I am happy about is our AD that we hired. Chris Del Conte, the guy that came from TCU, yeah. he's basically done said that. He's like, we're not here to cater to the boosters anymore. We're yeah. going to do what's going to put – and he made some changes that the boosters weren't really happy. Like they opened up a – kind of like what Campus Corner is at OU. Yeah. They opened up – they call it Bevo Boulevard, uh, and it's like – it's basically a tailgating section now that they've never had at austin it's always just been real professional and uh, i was thinking it was a place for everyone to go drink their miseries away after <laughs> that's true too this is my first time i've never been to um the cotton bowl i've never been to the, what is it uh, dallas I mean, yeah the, the red, red river, river rivalry yeah never been so this year your guy from the church is yeah go to my first one that's and, awesome so anyway. heck yeah you picked a bad one to go f- as an ou fan <laughs> say what yeah I, I told my sponsor this the other day we're gonna have three wins this year we're going to beat all three schools three in wins. Texas. Yep. All three schools from Texas? Or all three schools from Oklahoma. Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma wow. State. I will <laughs> say that of all the years that we lose to Texas, this is the kind of year, yeah, unfortunately, I'm, I'm in the you. past, this is the kind of year that happens. Well, that's one game that no matter how good or bad either one side is, it's always a good game. Well, it's not all. We beat y'all 6-3-13 that one year. Clint Griffith scored six touchdowns. But um, – you know, typically it's a pretty good game, but many, there is no electricity like that game. How many wins do y'all have against us? Oh, we won't get into all oh, that. Okay. All right. But it's an electric. I've been to some cool sporting events in my life. Choose OU Texas over all of them. That's Every time. That's number one on my list, too. Yes. Uh, I, I will be down there. Yes. Oh, and now, Jason now you are for sure going? We got, yes, we got the for sure. From okay. Papa Stutes yesterday. Same, he was just telling me yesterday morning. He was like, I don't know if we're going, though. You take Usually Papa Stutes and I was like, what? a little earlier than that, but we'll be down there. Awesome. Well, I'm still waiting on tickets, so if anybody out there has any connection with some tickets, yeah. let me know. I'm willing to buy, but I got on Vivid Seats the other day, and I'm not willing to pay what they're selling for right now. Well, once Texas loses this week, I'm sure that <laughs> prices will just yeah. After this week, you'll get a lot of Texas <laughs> I shouldn't be talking because this is the week last year when we laid a big old egg versus the Iowa State Cyclones. So. No, y'all played Iowa State later in the year last year, didn't you? No, it was right before Texas, I believe. You sure? I want to say so. Maybe I think, not. I think y'all played them late last year. Uh, it wasn't that late. It was about October. So okay. maybe it was anyway. Okay. But we're going to get some revenge this week. Yeah. I believe 100%. I hope so. They've beat y'all once in 35 years or something like that. So, but hopefully, I'm running back though. Yeah. Hopefully, Sermon can yeah, that's what I'm preach a good too. message on Saturday. Yeah, for sure. That's what I'm is, is Pledger playing? I'm sure he will. So he they rescinded his red shirt. Uh, I'm guessing they're gonna say, okay, Pledger, here, here's the ball. Gotcha. But maybe not. I mean, he can play four games. Yeah, he can play four so, games. Yeah, we might just save him for Texas and like the national championship game. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> I just kidding. So, but y'all have watched some college football. Who's your pick? Is it still Bama to win it all? I mean, if anybody says anything other than Bama, they're, in my opinion, they've <laughs> lost their mind. Right. Well, we want to say something other than Bama. Yeah. Between, like Clemson, I thought they were Saturday. Yeah. The that quarterback for A&M yeah. is impressive. Yeah. 
Yeah. Really? I yeah. didn't. I didn't watch much of the game. Yeah. He's uh, he's impressive. Jimbo's got him on the right track. It looks like. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll be interested to see, and when uh, Urban Meyer comes back, how I know Ohio State's winning anyway. Yeah. Oh yeah. We'll see how they do. I think Ohio State will. I think they'll win the Big Ten. I mean, but Penn State doesn't look as good. No, no. Georgia looks pretty good. That's uh, what I was Georgia, just. I mean, yeah. they'll they play Alabama. I opened my big mouth the first week of football, and my roommate Joey Perea. Boom. Yeah, boom. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be all right if I never hear that again. <laughs> Everyone's gonna say boom at home and Liz will be like. For the record, he's stop. lived with two guys since he um, graduated Rob's ranks and they're both in this room. Exactly. Great uh, roommate. Boom yes. boom gets a little a little old, but but uh the one thing I opened my mouth and I was like, I think the Big Ten's a better conference than the SEC this mm, year. Mm. And it's so not the case. No, not um, at all. Michigan, I, mean, I think the Big Ten's the probably the second best because yeah. I mean ACC looks pretty weak. Yeah. I mean Forest State looks like trash. Yeah, Miami lost. Yeah, Miami lost. I mean, Clemson's good. I think Vautex, but I mean, they're getting better and better. It's, it's definitely between the Big Ten and uh, Pac-12 because Pac-12, they don't really have that superstar team, but they're pretty solid from one to five. Yeah, for but, sure. Well, uh, I mean, if Texas would do their part, the Big 12 would be too. So I can't, I can't say anything because I'm also a huge Mississippi State fan and they beat the Big 12, yeah. Kansas State. That was a big win. They're yeah. kind of a dark horse. I mean, they're never – of course, when Dak was there, I got a chance to watch him. Um, I'm not a Dallas Cowboys fan, but I am a Dak fan, and uh, I don't think he's as good this year as he – I mean, as he was his first year. Uh, they're talking about – and we're jumping all over the place, but I heard on the sports animal yesterday, they were asking the question, because Dak's going to be – his contract's up at the end of the year. Would you pay him a $100 million – give him a $100 mm. million dollar contract? And, like, I'm a Cowboy fan, and I love Dak. But I'm sitting there thinking, and I'm like, no. I don't think I could do it because if you give him $100 million, that's saying he's a top 10 quarterback in the league because that's basically what all the top 10 quarterbacks are. I'm saying if if he's supposed to get that much money, he better win you about 11 games this year at least. Well, if week one is any – I'm representation, he doesn't have a chance because he doesn't have anybody to throw the ball to. <laughs> yeah. I think OU's receivers are better than the Dallas Cowboys. No doubt, no doubt. But and I'll give you all this. I mean, Carolina, they're tough at home. They got a good defense. Cam's hard to hard to, hard to beat, but Cam looks renewed with yeah. Norv Turner. Yeah, yeah. No, I think Carolina will definitely compete in the NFC. Um, I don't know. It was kind of a weird week at NFL week one. It was. But our Broncos got the W. That's right. Yes. Defense came through. That's Von right. Miller. Even, three inter- even though our quarterback threw three interceptions, yeah. we got the W. Von Miller is the most – he's the biggest freak on defense in the NFL. Is. Dude is all over the ball. I seen him rip the ball out of Carson's hands and just take it away like, like go away. That's yeah. pretty much what he said. Yeah. I mean, he's the biggest impact on defense, I think, in the league. Oh, yeah. We got our rookie defensive guy. Yeah, Chubb. Yeah. yeah. Our secondary this is, is not as good. No. I think <laughs> we I think we have in the NFL there are more defensive pass rushing superstars than, than I can remember. I mean, you got J.J. Watt, Jadavion Clowney, both on the same team. Yeah. You got Von Miller. Uh, Khalil Mack yeah. looked yeah. – I mean, and he wasn't and even in shape. Yeah. 
from Georgia. What's his face? He's oh, Roquan, Roquan Smith. Yeah. yeah. What's, I mean, the, what's the cat who got uh, – oh, Miles Garrett. Yeah, he, looked he looked good. He made Roethlisberger look small. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. TJ Watt, JJ's younger brother yeah. at Pittsburgh, he looked really good. For sure. Uh, the, oh, uh, what's the guy's name? Played at Ohio State. Plays for the Chargers. Oh, Bosa. Bosa, Bosa yeah. and uh, who's the guy on the other end? I mean, there are so many two yeah. tandem yeah. pass rushers. Melvin Ingram, is that his name? I'm not sure. I Maybe. think the other guy on the – I don't care much about the Chargers. Yeah, <laughs> Sam loves Phillip Rivers. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I, I'm not sure next to Tom Brady. I mean, I hate Tom Brady more than Phillip Rivers. Um but I hate Philip Rivers. I've never been a Philip Rivers Same. fan. You I mean, how could you? The dude is trash. The hate? That's a strong word. I know, it's a strong word. <laughs> and, like, I mean, I wouldn't tell him it to his face, but I might tell him. No, I don't like Philip Rivers. He's a whiny, just, I mean, he's never done nothing, and he's still their quarterback. I mean, the dude can throw the ball around, but let's win some games or something yeah. if you're going to still be there. If I drink, I love Diet Coke. I try to get a Chargers. Can, yeah, because I know it won't leave rings anywhere. Right, that's exactly. So I can put, it anywhere, put it on my table all day yeah. long. It won't leave a ring. Hey, anywhere. y'all want to hear something funny that Jake Hill said yesterday? We were sitting there, we were talking about Patrick Mahomes, right? And he's like, "Oh, best quarterback of the league, best quarterback of the league." And somehow we got on the discussion, and I said, "He he's trying to tell me that Patrick Mahomes is better than Russell Wilson." And I said, "Dude." The dude has won one NFL game. Maybe or did he win one last year too? Maybe he's won two games. I don't know. Yeah. But I said Russell Wilson won a Super Bowl in his first three years in the league. Yeah. I said until Patrick Mahomes even makes the playoffs, let's not talk about this. Yeah. I said like, that is ridiculous. I think Tyreek Hill won that game for him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying Mahomes is better than Wilson, but I he's got a huge upside. Well, I'm not saying he can't sling the ball around, but I watched him play at Tech um, for however many years, and I'm not convinced he has much heart. Man, he put up 500 and something yards up against y'all one year. Yep. We watched that game together, (laughs) I think, at your house. Yeah, that was ridiculous. But, no, the dude can throw the ball. Um, I'm just not convinced he's ready to go win a Super Bowl. Come on, man. I mean, I I think they're going to win the West, but. uh. Uh, Let's not be too certain (laughs) now. No, come on. Von Miller's face. We'll see what he's doing. That's right. You get a real defender. Is Elway coming up out of the the GM position? Huh? Is he going to come play quarterback? I'd be fine with it. Bring (laughs) him on. Come on. No, but seriously, everybody's so convinced that the Chiefs are going to win the West. Um, Mahomes hasn't won nothing. The defense is not as good as it has been in the last couple of years. And first of all, the West is kind of, in a weird way, evenly matched. I mean, I think Oakland could make a run for the West. I know they didn't look good last night. The San Diego, they say their defense is way better than it has been. And Denver, I mean, they're the best all-around team in the (laughs) division. Come on. So, after week one of NFL, put all prejudices aside, did y'all watch the Bears-Packers game? Yes. Is A-Rod not a freaking – He's the best I've ever seen. Yeah, he's a great quarterback. One leg for the better part of that game and just 
I don't know if I'm supposed to say this on this kind of uh, thing, but uh, this kind of podcast. But at the very, so you can delete this part. But okay. If you saw his interview afterwards, he looked high as a kite. So <laughs> that is true. I don't know what they gave him. Rogers. Yeah. I gotta look oh, that man. up. Look at uh, his eyes. I mean, yeah. they gave him something. He didn't yeah. know where he was at after the game. Hey, no wonder he could run back out in the second I'm half. You know what I mean? He didn't know where he was at. Yeah. That's I didn't think about that, but yeah, he had to be the bit. Yeah. They had either gave him a shot of. Some kind of pain pill or painkiller, or he pops some pills. But hey, yeah. I'm not saying that Rodgers hasn't had some good receivers since he's been playing, but could you imagine what Rodgers could have done in his career if he had like Julio Jones oh, or like Odell Beckham or any one of those guys? Yeah, he's never really ever had a star. No, I mean, no. it, it's a lot similar. That's why it's so hard for me to say who's a better quarterback, him or Brady. Brady had the one year with uh, Moss. Moss. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, he's got Gronk, who might as well just be a, a number one receiver. Yeah, for but, sure, man. That's the thing about Brady. Uh, I, I hate the guy, too, but just the fact that he's doing that and yeah. he literally – the guys he's throwing to are yeah. I mean, not very good at all. So. <laughs> Sam's watching the interview Brady. right now. We need, get, we need to get Rodgers a bed, man. <laughs> I'm serious. We need to get Rodgers a bed. Yeah, we need to bite his eyes and watch the beginning of it especially. Hey, and I don't wish this dude any, any sort of health problems, <laughs> but I think – I think this is going to be another year where Aaron Rodgers doesn't make it through a season. Really? Yeah, I do. I think we're going to see Deshaun Kaiser take over the Green Bay Packers. Deshaun Kaiser? Yeah, he's their backup. I thought Brett Hundley was. Nope. He plays for Seattle now. Hundley went to Seattle? Yes. Wow. Yeah, that, that was amazing. I mean, yeah, that, that was amazing to see Rodgers. And I was glad to see a close game. I feel like a lot of the games were, you know, and then to yeah. see that game. Broncos was close. It was. Which, I mean, they, to be honest, I turned the Bears, the Sunday night game off at halftime because I was like, this is stupid. The yeah. Packers don't stand a chance because Trubisky looked really good. Yeah. The Bears' defense looked really good. And then I turned it back on about, I guess, right at the end of the third quarter, right after they scored their first field goal. Uh and then I see Rodgers out there can barely put any weight on his left leg, and he started slinging it. Yeah, well, <laughs> like Brett Favre stuff, like when Brett yeah. would have some games would be hurting. Yeah. Him. And that was it. Uh, Roethlisberger was trying to do that, but he kept hitting Browns with the ball. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> he was swinging the wrong team. Yeah, this would be the last thing I say about the NFL, but if if the Browns would have put Baker Mayfield in in overtime, oh uh, they would have won the game. So we'll just throw that out there. What's y'all's fantasy? Did y'all win in fantasy this week? I I went one and two and two. I went two, two and two. two. I, did, I only played one. I, I did win, but I will say this: I never do these kind of moves. But I had like the number one, number two overall pick, and I, so I picked up Levy on that. So he's not playing, but I went out and got James Conner. Right hey, on. Good job. That's, that's what you got to do. Never done, I've never done. I mean, I, I felt like John Elway with that GM. Yeah, <laughs> that's you know what I mean? like, yeah, that's what saved me in one of yeah, my leagues too. Yeah. I didn't have Le'Veon, but like it was like the day after they announced Le'Veon wasn't going to play and. Yeah. And I got on there, and I was like, who's their backup? And about that time, Mark Schlereth or somebody on ESPN was like, people need to take notice. James Conner's yeah. no joke. And I was like, screw it. Well, I, yeah, I didn't know anything about yeah. him, but it was like, hey, let's yeah. check it out. He got me on most points. Yeah. I mean, the thing was, I don't care, unless you drafted Todd Gurley out of those top four running backs, they all sucked this week. David yeah. Johnson, Zeke. Le'Veon didn't even play, so. Um, but Gurley, Gurley's a beast. Yeah. I think Gurley's the best running back in football. Yeah. 
I like Gurley. I wish he'd be a Bronco. Yeah, that'd yeah. be awesome. I'm, I'm frustrated with the Broncos because they always are like, Royce Freeman, he's the new guy. He's the new guy. And then we get to the game, and they give him the ball to Phillip Lindsay. But I drafted Royce Freeman in two drafts, and Phillip Lindsay, this undrafted free agent's getting like twice the amount of carries. Is yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I'm a Broncos fan, so. Uh, as long as we're as long as we're moving the That's moving right. the ball. Right. Who do y'all play this week? We play Oakland. That'll be yeah. good. Yeah, at home though. I don't know yeah. why we get back to back home games. What we do? Who do the Cowboys play? We play the Giants. Ooh. Sunday night football. Well, they'll get their first win. Um, <laughs> man, I'm the Giants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm being kind of savage to you today, aren't I? Hey, I, I I told everybody. I think I'm just done with football. He's got a fellow Bronco fan in here, so you yeah, talk trash. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so you fans, That's right. Talk trash. Well, and I've been really nice about Texas this far, and I just had like three or four jabs. But hey, I really do hope y'all go beat USC this week, though. Just for the sake of the Red River rivalry, the Big 12. Say that again. The Red River rivalry. I said, like Aaron Rodgers after the game. <laughs> It's a great game I got out there. I couldn't feel my legs, so. Exactly. Well, I remember she asked him, she said, so, Aaron, do you think that any chance that you might miss next week? And in this biggest cheese that I've ever seen, yeah. he looked at her and he said, oh, I'm playing next week. Yeah. He's like, right on. Yeah. You, couldn't, you couldn't put any weight on it, but you know you're oh, playing. Yeah. That's bad. That's bad. But I will say, USC, I watched part of that game against Stanford. Uh who won? I didn't Stanford. Stanford. Stanford, yeah. USC didn't look – I mean, but like I said, we haven't looked like we could beat Tulsa, so. Yeah. Uh, Where's it at? It's at home. It's at home. A, Yeah. Ought to be a good game then. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But that basically closes us up. Anything else you want to share, Justin? Sports, recovery? I'm good, man. If, um, if the if OU loses the net, you know, again in the in – the, uh, you know, college playoffs this year. I might have to go into recovery. I'm with you. Well, it just breaks my heart every year. You know what I mean? Because we have Baker. So this year, I really wasn't honestly expecting this, but now, of course, I'm like, okay, we're going all the way again. It's been two games. We haven't played anybody. But thank you guys again for having me on. Thank Thanks you so coming, much for man. coming. Yeah. We, have, we should have blanket shit pray today since he's on. Hey, I'm with it. We we close it off by uh, Sam typically prays us out, but since you're the the spiritual guidance and leader yes. in the room, how about you go okay. ahead and close us off in prayer? I'd be honored to. Father, we just thank you for these days. Thank you for this day, for this podcast. Thank you for the people that it is reaching. And Father, today we thank you for hope. That we have hope for tomorrow, that no matter what we're going through, Father, for those that are listening right now and going through a difficult time, I just pray that you would give them hope to hang on, to keep going, to doing the next right thing. And as they do that, Father, they remain uh, they're faithful through that. We know that no matter what we do, you remain faithful to us. And Father, I just thank you today. Thank you for, for Jason and Sam. Thank you for all that they're doing. And Father, I just pray that you continue to bless this podcast. I just pray that it continues to touch many lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Rock Kazak. Rock Kazak. Yeah.